circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your love and for your grace. We thank you that you have given us your Son, through whom we have redemption. We thank you that you have given us your Spirit, that through whom you give us strength to fight against sin. We thank you that we have been buried with Christ, we have been crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and raised with Christ. So Father, as we explore those themes this morning, I pray that you would help us by your Spirit to hear and to understand. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord. Probably sings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, because of what has happened to us in the past and what will happen to us in the future, we have been enabled to fight sin, to put, to sin, put sin to death and to put on righteousness. Because of what has happened to us in the past and what will happen to us in the future, we have been enabled to fight sin, to put sin to death and to put on righteousness. If we're honest, the fight with sin... The fight to put it to death in our lives can often feel hopeless, can it? We feel that tension. We see sin in our lives if if we see it, if the Spirit is revealing it to us, if we're in Christ, he is. We see sin in our lives and we look at it and we fight it, but sometimes that fight seems helpless, seems hopeless. Oftentimes we feel powerless to say no to temptation and we fall and we fail more often than we'd like to admit. It seems hard, and it is hard. But I'm here to tell you that God gives us victory. And he gives us victory because he has given victory to us. See, it would be a cruel thing indeed if God were to command us to put sin to death and hadn't done anything about the power of sin in our lives. But the fact is, we have been completely changed from who we once were And we now have a new identity, a new relationship to both sin and to the Lord. Once, sin was our master. We get that language from Romans chapter 6. He uses a slavery motif there. Once, sin was our master. And the master of sin being Satan, he was our master. But now we have been free. And we have been given new life. And we now have a new relationship with the Lord. He is ours and we are his. And we have died to the power of sin. Why? Because Christ has died for us. This text has lots of commands. Those are imperatives. That's the grammatical word for it. There there are at least 14 different commands, depending on how you count them. If you count each of the two lists of sins in there and count them individually, it would be more 
but at least 14 explicit commands in these 17 verses. And they pretty much all say, hey, stop sinning. Now, such commands are necessary. But these commands, if they are not connected to the gospel, will only cause us to despair. If these commands are not connected to who we already are in Christ Jesus and what he has done for us and will do for us, then these commands will only cause us to despair. It's like someone who goes to counseling seeking help for something and the counselor says, hey, just stop it. Well, that's the whole reason the person went to counseling in the first place. We need the good news behind the imperatives, behind the commands. We need the good news of the, of the statements of what Christ has already done for us and who we already are in Christ Jesus. It would be like telling someone who can't hear to sing on pitch or someone without legs to run a marathon or someone who can't see to paint a picture of a beautiful sunset. Apart from the good news of Jesus, these commands are bad news. Because in and of ourselves, we can't do it. But because we have a new relationship to the Lord, we have a new relationship to our sin, we are enabled to. As even as one man in our Thursday morning Bible study said, you are sons of God, now act like it. But you can't act like a son of God unless you are a son of God. My friends, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a child of God. Things have happened to you that will enable you to fight sin. My friends, the fight with sin is not hopeless, and you are not powerless. Now, you are powerless, but Christ is not. And as we rely upon him and live out whom we've already been declared to be, the Lord will give us strength to fight sin, to put it to death, and to put on righteousness. Well, what has happened to us? See, of all those commands, the 14 different commands, there are just as many or almost as many statements. In fact, if you look at the back of your outline, you'll find that I've given you a list of all the things this text says already about you. If, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have been justified by faith, if you have come to him in saving faith and asked him to forgive you of your sins and, and thrown your lot in with Christ, then these things are already true of you. And the first thing we see in verses one through three is that we have, been, we have died and we have been raised with Christ. Now these are past tense things. We have died. Elsewhere in scripture it says we have been crucified with Christ. Now you might say, I seem awfully alive this morning. What is this death thing of which you speak? Romans 6, 6 helps us. We know that our old self was crucified with him, with Christ, with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. When we read that we have been crucified with Christ, when we read that we have died, it means the old flesh, the old bits of me, the old part of me that was in rebellion against God. Sin may seem to have a lot of power over me. My friends, that nature, that old nature, it has been killed It has been killed, it has been crucified with Christ. And when we rose with him from the grave, we have new life. We have new life. See, just as Christ went into the grave with the power, excuse me, with the guilt of our sin, when he arose, he no longer bore such a burden. So too we, as we went into the grave with him, as we were united to him, we went down with the power of sin about us. And when we, were, when we were raised, it was no longer upon us. 
We've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and ushered into the kingdom of life and light, the kingdom of Christ. The old man has died. The old man has died, past tense. And our, and our life has been hidden with God in Christ. We have new life. If you've been born again, you have new life. And that life is hidden with Christ. He holds it securely. The deposit that we've entrusted to him, even as we'll sing as we conclude our service, that we can entrust him with it. For he has our life. Now, the, the world may not see it all the time. It is hidden. But it will be revealed one day when he comes back. We have a new relationship to old sin. Verses 7 through 10 and 13 uh, tell us this, that we, um, there were once sins that we once walked in. These things are true of us. They were true of us, rather, that we used to walk in these sins. They no longer define us. We use that word walk uh, a lot. When we say someone has a different walk of life, what do we mean? That they live a different way than we do. They are different from us. They're, we're not like them. They have a different walk of life. Well, our old walk of life was defined by these sins that he, he enumerates here. And we'll, we'll talk about those in a second. But no longer, this is past tense, you once walked in these things. But now our lives are defined in a different way. We have put these things off. We have put these things off. Verse 9 tells us, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is the language of taking off clothes. You take off clothes to put on other ones. We have taken off the old self to put on the new self. And this is the reality of who we already are in Christ Jesus. We have laid them aside. We have put away, put to death, laid aside, done away with the old self that has caused these things. As we put off our old self, it's practices too. The old self calls things within us. I don't know about your front yard um, and your backyard. It may be underwater. Uh, but poking out of the water in my yard are a whole bunch of weeds. I mean, I don't know what these things are. One of you can tell me that these purple leaves and um, circular purple leaf base right on the grass, and out from the bottom comes this long stem, and these two little bluish purple little bell-looking dewjobbers on the top. And let me tell you something, these things are pernicious. You can't get rid of them. Now, granted, I don't use chemicals or fertilizer or anything like that. I just use my hands. And you go down to the very, very bottom of it. I know this part. You go to the very bottom of it and you try hard to, to get it out by its roots. So you, I've tried everything. I've tried a screwdriver. I've tried a trowel. I twist, I turn, I yank, I pull, I push. I've tried everything. And these things, they just cut off the top and the next week they come back up. Why? Because the root's still there. Now my front yard, I don't have these things. Praise the Lord, because that's a bit you can see. I have other weeds, equally pernicious, but easier to get up. And I can pull these suckers up. So I was pulling them up and throw them in, a, in the bucket with Thomas yesterday. But it occurs to me that what Christ has done is he has pulled the weeds out. And it's no longer connected to the nutrients. Now photosynthesis is still going to happen for a little while while it uses up all the nutrients within the body, within the, um, uh, within the plant, within the weed. But his days are numbered. It no longer has any power over your yard, if you were. Sin is a problem if we only deal with the fruit of it and not the root of it. But our Savior has dealt with the root of it. 
He has taken our old self out, the, the flesh that was against him, and it has been nailed to the cross. It has been killed, and we have been given new life. That's why. That's why we can fight sin, because it has already been dealt with. But because of this, because of this, we have a new reality. There's some great words in this text that, that Paul uses to describe who we are. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 calls us three words, God's chosen ones, holy, and beloved. Are we sure we're talking about the same people? Chosen ones, the elect, those whom God has chosen to receive his grace and mercy, not because of anything within them. Had nothing, I have nothing to offer God, neither do you. Chose us by his own grace, holy, do you know my thought life? Beloved, perhaps the most powerful word, this is God's word for his only begotten son. This is my beloved, he tells us on the Mount of Transfiguration. Listen to him. This is my beloved. Listen to him. These are the words that God uses to describe me. I'm the weed, right? And yet God has declared me to be his and declared me to be righteous, and declared me to be holy, because I am his beloved. And if you are in Christ, then you are too. And because of this, our, we are being renewed every day. We are being renewed, as we learn in verse 10. We have put off the old self, and we are being renewed every day after the image of our creator, who is Christ. As we continue our plant metaphor you know a plant you put it in the ground and it it is alive a plant is alive and you and you but you feed it and you feed it nutrients and it grows it grows in strength maturity and vitality and so it is with the christian life these things are true with us as we seek to be renewed by the lord daily through his word through prayer through fellowship with the saints as we come together to worship the lord grows us He renews us after our creator and we are given strength to become whom we've already been declared to be. We are declared to be righteous. Now he helps us to become righteous if we seek him. We are being renewed as God's chosen, holy, and beloved people. But who we are in our fight with sin is also not only rooted in the past, it's also in the future because we see in verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We have been remade. We have died and have been raised with Christ. And when Christ comes again, we will be presented spotless and without blemish. And Christ will cause everything in our lives that, have, that don't um, coincide, don't mesh, don't gel with who we've been declared to be. We've been declared righteous. We struggle with righteousness. When he comes again, he will complete the process. And when Christ appears, who is your life, you will appear with him in glory. If we are on this earth when he comes again, then we will meet him in the air. If we have died before he comes again, then our bodies will be raised up and we will come back with him. And we will live with him forever in glory. Not because we deserve it, but because of what Christ has done for us. He has slain the old self and given us new life. My friends, we are new people. We are new people. And we remember what Christ has done for us. And we remember the statements, the indicatives, those things on the back of your sheet of whom we've already been declared to be. It gives us strength to fight sin because we remember that sin really has no power over us except that which we give it. 
But because of that, we are called to put to death sin. The life of a Christian is one of pursuit of holiness. And out of these statements come the commands. And the greatest command here is, not the greatest, the the most central command here is to put sin to death. Put sin to death. We are to put to death earthly, fleshly things. And we were given these two, um, two lists here of five things each, I believe. Uh, verse uh, five, we, we read sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. We're not going to go through those individually. We don't have the time. But, but these are internal sins. These are grave, great sins. These are internal sins. We are to put these to death. And these things give rise to, just like a root gives rise to a plant, you can see the sins of verses 8 through 9a. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. These are communal sins. These are sins that we sin against each other. Certainly these are not exhaustive lists. If you don't find the sin that you particularly struggle with on this list, that doesn't mean it's okay. Uh, This is one of many lists that we find in Scripture. But we have the power of the resurrection within us to be able to say no to these sins. The text says to put it to death, not flirt. I think that we are all too often very happy to injure sin, to maim sin, instead of to kill sin. The writer to the Hebrews says that you haven't struggled enough because you haven't started bleeding yet. We are to put it to death. It's like the little boy. This is an illustration about Thomas, though it may sound like it. It's not. It's like the little boy whose mother has made a gorgeous chocolate cake. This isn't just any cake. This is a German chocolate cake with wonderful chocolatey, icy icing. His mother says, do not touch this cake. So she goes into the back and little boy, he walks into the room where the cake is. He starts looking at that cake. He says, ooh, that's a nice cake. He starts thinking about how it would taste. Ooh, I bet that, taste, that cake would taste so good. And then he finds it his finger. It's getting closer and closer to said cake. And first, it, it just gets a little dab on the end of the icing that was on the cake plate. Now, that's not a big deal, right? This isn't all, Mom said nothing about the cake plate. And so I'm just going to get the cake plate. And then he notices a part on the cake that the, the, the icing isn't smooth. So he's going to smooth it off. And if there's icing left on his finger at the end of the endeavor, then so be it. And then he suddenly has a glass of milk in his hand and a whole slice in the other. He has flirted to sin, flirted with sin. He has not sought to kill it. So too we too often flirt with sin. But here's the thing, the cake is poisonous and it will kill us. That's the thing about sin. It's it's like bait. It's exactly what it wanted to look like. But it's got a hook in there. And it'll kill you. We're we're called to put sin to death. But here's the thing. We can can put sin to death because sin has been put to death. We can put sin to death because sin has been put to death in us. 
We can fight this because Christ has already fought it. We are to do this as we put on righteousness. It's not enough to put off, you have to put on. And here's the thing, if you've ever tried to stop a habit, a negative habit, a negative thought, you just can't stop. You have to replace it with something. And so our text tells us as we put off the old, to put on the new, Ephesians 4 also uses the same language here. You don't take off clothes just to not have them on. You take off clothes to put new clothes on. And so we find in verses 12 through 14, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if he has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also must, you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This, this is, um, there's a whole secular form of counseling that is based upon this called cognitive behavioral therapy. And it is a biblical concept. The idea that you take bad habits and you replace them with good habits. And this is, uh, this is God's prescription of how we are to fight sin, especially in our thought lives. It says, put, set your mind not on the things of the earth, but on the things that are above. For that's actually where you're seated in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians 2. Your, your life is there already, according to verse 4. So as we seek to fight sin, we fill those thoughts, we fill those habits, we fill those inclinations, we fill those temptations with positive things. I want you to bear with me. I want you to think of the rafters in our church. Perhaps it would help you to look at them. Look at the rafters, and I want you to imagine a 12-foot pink elephant hanging off the edge of these rafters by its tusks. You see its four legs, you see its wrinkles, you see the, the grass coming out of its mouth as it munches on its lunch, and you hear it too, and if it's over you, then you're praying it's not falling on you. Now I want you to stop thinking about the 12-foot pink elephant that is hanging on the rafters directly above your head with all its wrinkles and its tusks and its munching on the grass and you hear it in your ears. You can't do it because you haven't replaced it with something. You have to take a thought and replace it with something else. You really can only think about one thing at a time. Multitasking is a lie. You can't multitask. You can concentrate on one thing at a time. And so God's prescription of how to put off the old and to put on the new, the, the prescription of how to fight sin is to replace the old with the new. Because the new belongs to us. We are called to put to death things that are already dead to us and to live to things that are already alive to us. And we do this as we seek the things that are above and not of this earth. So practically as we are fighting temptations, we're fighting uh, thoughts of anger and bitterness and lust and conceit and, and frustration, all these things, whatever it is for you, well, these things must be replaced. And this is where scripture memorization is so key. Just even have one verse that you can go to and, and rehearse in your mind as you, as you fight those temptations. My friends, the sin has already been dealt with. And it's been dealt its mortal blow. But just like a weed that you take out of the grass is going to live for a little bit longer. So too, we must fight the sin that is still within us until Christ comes again. But if you have turned your life over to Christ, then what this text is, is saying is true, that he has forgiven you. For we once all walked in this manner of life. And if you are currently walking in it, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a saving relationship with him, 
if you're relying on your works and not on his grace, then you have no power over sin. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that Christ has died on the, sin, on the cross. And if you turn your life over to him, then that sin will be dealt with. His guilt will be dealt with and he will give you strength over its power. It is a daily fight, I'm not gonna lie to you. But he will give you strength. And one day, we will be called up together is our life in Christ appears where we will be with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reality that we have in Christ, that, that we have put off the old self and we have already put on the new self. In the same words, we pray that you would help us to put to death the old self and to put on the new self. Lord, as we seek to live before you in righteousness, not to earn our salvation, but because you have saved us. Give us grace, Lord, that we might walk in your truth. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.